Hey Detective, welcome to the Nancy Drew Rendezvous, the podcast where we take a chronological look at all the books in the Nancy Drew Files series. I'm your host Teagues and today we're going to look at book number 13, Wings of Fear. Hello and welcome, I hope you've all been great. So... In the last episode during Where is River Heights, I mentioned that River Heights might be in the Illinois suburb of Juliet. Juliet? I don't know how to quite pronounce it. But after a little bit more investigation, I think I found a suburb which is more likely to be River Heights. I just found that Juliet, I'm just going to pronounce it Juliet. I'm sorry if it's incorrect. I don't know, it just wasn't high class enough for where I figured the Drews would reside. Like, Carson is a lawyer, and I expect, you know, gated communities and beautiful tree-lined streets and nice landscaping in the gardens in the suburb, but Juliet just didn't seem to have it. So, I will reveal where I think River Heights is in the Where is River Heights section of the episode. Anyway, as I mentioned in the introduction, today we're going through book number 13, Wings of Fear. I'm going to do things a little bit differently today. I'm going to, of course, give you the usual rundown of the story, but first I'm going to give an overview of the plot and then list out all the characters. Therefore, like when I'm going through the book, I don't have to stop and explain who this character is. So hopefully that helps us all understand and follow along a little bit better. So on simonandschuster.com, they describe the book as saying, Nancy Drew gets a call from an old friend to come to Seattle to investigate a possible murder. This seems like an inaccurate description. Yes, there was a murder or a possible murder, but that doesn't seem to be what she's actually investigating. So I've written down a brief description description of the book. Nancy gets a phone call from a school friend and flight attendant Jennifer whose friend was recently killed in a motorbike accident. However, Jennifer believes that it was no accident and someone set out to quiet him about a smuggling ring operating in Victory Airlines who are based in Seattle. I feel that gives a more descriptive example of the plot. Of course, the physical book might have a decent blurb, but I don't have the physical book. I just have the digital version. Anyway, like always, we'll do a cover discussion. So on this particular cover, we have the usual scenario. We've got an action scene in the background. We've got Nancy in the foreground and we have an attractive man in the middle. So I'm actually quite worried about this book because in the background there is a plane on fire and plane crashes are no laughing matter. I hope Nancy's not involved in this plane crash because that would be terrible and I don't see how they could survive. In the middle we have, I'm going to guess that this is Sean. Um, it's definitely one of the workers from the airline as they're working at the airline. Like, well, sorry, they've got the airline uniform on. Uh, he's a dark haired man wearing tan colored pants and the victory uniform, which is black with a gold V. And then we have Nancy up front. She's wearing checkered pants and a huge pink cardigan, a white turtleneck, and she's kind of got her arms crossed in front of her and she's looking over her shoulder. I don't know why she's, oh my goodness. I was about to say I don't know why she's got her arms crossed in front of her, but then I realized she's actually in the brace position um, getting that you have to go in when you're in a plane crash. So whenever you 
flights, get on a plane, the flight attendants will kind of explain what to do if you're in a crash. And if they don't explain this particular thing, it's always in the safety information booklet or card, which we'll find in the back of the seat pocket. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but if it was intentional, I think that's a really, really great touch that the illustrator added in. Anyway, so let's get on to the character introduction. So, first of all, we have Jennifer Bishop. She's previously a local to River Heights and she moved to Seattle shortly after high school to become a flight attendant. Next up, we have Sean Richmond. He's Jennifer's boyfriend and he's described as being dark haired with devilish blue eyes and he's part of the management trainee program at Victory. So, at Victory, they have a work study program done in cooperation with one of the colleges. Um, the students involved start out doing everything from baggage handling, being skycaps and gate agents. They even take a crash course in being flight attendants. So I just felt that I needed to explain what this trainee management program at Victory Airlines was. And then we have Rod Fullerton. He's the friend that died in the motorbike accident and made claims in relation to a smuggling ring existing at Victory Airlines. Uh, he gave a gift to Miranda and showed Jennifer lots of cash. He was also in the management trainee program, but not a student. So we're not sure how he got into the program as it was a, the management program was in cooperation with one of the colleges. Okay, uh, and then next we have Miranda Cummings. She's Jennifer's roommate and she's a redhead flight attendant and a close friend of Rod. She had received a vows from Rod, which helps them believe that there is a smuggling ring. And then we've got Linda Cotilla. She's a senior flight attendant and she's always grumpy and mean and she's nicknamed Kalita the Hun. Next we have Grant Sweeney. He's one of the senior baggage handlers and he's always rude and gruff to Nancy. Next is Blake Maxwell. He's Victory's district manager and he's also in charge of the operations and day-to-day -day workings of the airline. So he's not a very nice person, um, but he's got his hands on the actual running of the airline. The president heir of the airline is Preston Talbot. Um, he's the point of contact for Nancy and he deals with all the company's public relations. Uh, there is a person called Paul and he's a flirty and funny guy that works in baggage handling and is always flirting with Nancy. Uh, Wings of Fear, the book takes place in Peugeot Sound Airports, which we all know doesn't exist, but I'm going to believe that it's based on SeaTac, aka the Seattle Tacoma International Airport in Washington State. The Victories Airline is a gold V logo, a gold V rather, and the uniform is black. So that gives us just a little bit of overview of everything. Nancy's gone to Seattle to investigate a possible smuggling ring, which may have caused the death of their friend Rod. Alrighty, so we should get into the story. The book begins with Nancy's phone ringing after midnight and once again I really hope that Nancy has her own line in her house because the phone ringing after midnight is sure to wake everybody up. 
Nancy answers the phone and it's her friend Jennifer and Jennifer's panicking saying, Nancy, you've got to come. I don't know what to do. Rod was working with me at Victory and then, and then, and then she was fighting back sobs and then they killed him. I know they did. So Jennifer has obviously called in a panic. Her friend's dead and she knows that Nancy's a detective and she needs Nancy's help. Nancy asks, how does Jen know that he was murdered? Jen replies with, I just know he was killed in an automobile accident. His car went wide on a turn and plunged over a cliff. But I know there's more than that. Nancy presses on and Jen says, how do you know? Well, he once said that there were people at the airline who knew how to make money. Then he showed me a water bills that would have made your eyes popped. When I asked him where he'd gotten so much cash, he shut up. I kept asking him and he finally kind of said jokingly, maybe I'm into smuggling. And now he's dead and I think he was telling the truth. So I thought for some reason that Rod was killed in a motorbike accident. Like I know that the motorbike accident went like the motorbike went over the cliff but I didn't realize it was a car you know how like you read things but you don't read them properly and then you kind of assume something and then you go back and you read it's like oh I was totally wrong or is that just me anyway Nancy agrees to go to Seattle and books a plane straight away it's like Nancy's got the best life it's like you get a call and then the next morning you book tickets I wonder how expensive those tickets were did Jennifer give her a free flight because she works at the airline or did she just fork over a lot of cash for a last minute ticket? She asks Bess to come with her because she knows that Bess had been complaining about being bored. And what's interesting about this book is George didn't come. So usually Bess and George come as a pair, but in this particular book, only Bess went with them. And they just make a side note saying that George was too busy to come. I wonder what she was doing. Probably playing sport. Anyway, Nancy goes to Bess's house and to pick her up and Bess is packing and of course her room's a mess. I just assume Bess to be a messy, typical teenage girl with like clothes everywhere. It's kind of similar to Jessica Wakefield in Sweet Valley High. I really put Bess and Jessica in the same league. I kind of think they're very, very similar people. Bess and George Board flight 305 to Puget Airport. Yes, I know I pronounced it wrong before. Puget, Puget, Puget. I hope that's correct. I always thought it was Peugeot sounds, but I'm terrible at pronunciations. I think you would know this by now. <laughs> I apologize. I went and looked up, you know, on Google, it's like, oh, how to pronounce Puget. And then I watched a video and it says Puget, Puget. So I'm like, okay, it's Puget. Because I'm forever trying to relate situations into in the book into real life scenarios, I decided to Google every flight they took first to see if there was any actual flight numbers that matched. But unfortunately, there was no flight 304 that I could see from Chicago to Seattle. But I did notice that every flight mentioned in the book had a corresponding plane crash. So I thought I'll just add a little bit of tidbit trivia in. So flight 304 was an Eastern Airlines flight, a Douglas DC-8 plane flying from New Orleans International Airport to Washington Dulles International Airport, and it crashed on February 25th, 1964. Unfortunately, all 51 passengers and seven crew were killed. 
So they get to Seattle and they meet up with Jennifer and Bess is really, really intrigued about the life of a flight attendant. She thinks that's a great career. And they talk a lot about, well, Bess rather mentions the Orient and Far East. And I was just curious that if these books, well, this particular book was revised in 2020 or later on, if they would actually still mention the Orient. I haven't actually heard anyone refer to Asia as the Orient as the Orient rather and the Far East in a long time. I don't know if it's politically correct to say that anymore. I did do a little bit of research. It seems that you need to replace um, Orient and Oriental with just Asia. That was just from my little bit of uh, research. So when I do mention it, I'm just saying it from the book and I'm not saying it in an offensive way. I just wanted to put that out there. Um, I'm trying my best not to offend anyone um, with these kind of uh, things that may be dated um, in current times. They head up to see Mr. Talbot, who is the president of the airline, and straight away a rock gets thrown through the window. But it's not just no normal rock, it's a Nancy Drew book, so the rock comes with a note that is a warning, again, with the cut-up letters from a magazine because this person has plenty of time on their hand to sit there, cut out letters to make a message that says, Nancy Drew, if you value your life, leave Seattle now. So somebody already knows that Nancy's on the case, but who? So who could have Jennifer told? There's her boyfriend, there's her housemate, so Sean Miranda and Mr. Tolbert. So I doubt he threw the wind, like the rock through his own window. So maybe it's Sean. I guess Sean's our number one suspect so far. Because of this rock incident, Mr. Talbot realizes that something suspicious is going on and grants Nancy full access to the airport. And to help Bess out, they're going to allow Bess to do flight attendant training, which takes two days. And then as soon as you've done that, you can go and fly a plane. So... I'm sure Bess would have loved that, but in real life, there's no way that would occur. And also, post 9-11, there is no way that Nancy would have full range of the airport. It's quite weird, the situations and places that she's allowed to go to in this book. And <laughs> like I said, there's no way that this would fly after 9-11 or even if before 9-11. No pun intended. Nancy begins her investigation and Sean shows her around. Uh, she checks out the baggage handling area and meets a guy called Grant who is very rude and tells her to stop poking around. So as I mentioned earlier, George Grant rather is in charge of the baggage handling. Nancy's getting really, really frustrated. She spent the afternoon looking around the airport and she doesn't have any clues. For She doesn't even know if there's actually a smuggling ring going on. She needed information and except for the threatening note and maybe Miranda's bars, there's nothing to suggest that a smuggling operation existed, that a murder had been committed or even that Victory Airlines was connected to anything illegal. She's frustrated and hangs out in the lounge and checks out the flight notice board. She notices that flight 222 from Korea is late due to mechanical issues and that in turn is going to make a flight to Singapore later that evening delayed. 
back to flight trivia. Flight 222 was a trans-Asian airway flight departing from Taiwan. On July 23, 2014, the ATR-72500 twin turboprop operating the route crashed into buildings during an approach to land in bad weather at Magong Airport. Among the 58 people on board, only 10 survived. So that's quite heartbreaking. A little while later, she meets up with Sean again and they go to have lunch. And the book mentions that Sean grabs her hand, which reminded me of this date that I went on once and this this whole grabbing the hand part. I went to America and I needed to get a cell phone, so I went to the AT&T store, and the sales guy asked me out on a date, and you know, I was a new person to America, I was just starting my epic three-month-long trip across the States, and I wanted to meet people, so I said, yeah, sure, of course. Anyway, later that night, he picked me up at my hotel, and straight away, he grabbed my hand and started pulling me towards Trader Joe's, because he wanted to tell me all about Trader Joe's, because it was like the best place in the world. Like, that's kind of unusual, but I low-key am obsessed with supermarkets. It's just a weird thing that I'm obsessed with, so I quite enjoyed it. But it's just quite weird. Is it, like, really common for American men to just, like, grab your hand and drag you somewhere when you've just met them? Anyway, I digress. They investigate a bit more, but still nothing comes up to prove that there's a smuggling ring. They go to Mr. Talbot to tell him this information, but Jennifer storms in and says that she's actually solved the case because she um, saw businessmen on her flight acting secretive and they had a suitcase full of jewels and Nancy like gets angry and tells her to stop jumping to conclusions and a result Jennifer gets really mad so we've got some tensions happening between Jennifer and Nancy at the moment and it's interesting that Nancy gets really frustrated with her friends in this book like usually she gets annoyed at Bess because Bess is always getting crushes on the wrong people but this time she's annoyed at Jennifer because Jennifer's butting in and being a real pain. Anyway, she just says, for Pete's sake, let's not fight. We don't get to see each other very often, but I just want to help, Jennifer said in a hurt tone, but none of you will listen to me. So it really sucks to see Nancy fighting with her friends. Um, later that night, they head out for dinner and Nancy quizzes Jennifer about Rod and, you know, just to get some more information to see why Jennifer thinks a smuggling ring is happening. And Nancy's like, is there anything you can remember? Jennifer says, well, this is really silly, but once in a while he'll say 747 and then grin as though he told a really funny joke. Nancy immediately makes the connection between 747 and 747, the type of Boeing jet, and she rushes off to see what type of plane is heading to Singapore. Remember, the Singapore flight is the late Korean flight that came in due to mechanical difficulties. And what do you know? It's a 747 and it's a flight used to and from the Orient. So it must be the plane that's used to smuggle the goods. Nancy rushes onto the tarmac and 
crazily gets inside the luggage compartment of a plane and she cannot find anything. Like, what? In what world can you run out of an airport into the tarmac and then into the luggage compartment of a plane? This is absolutely ridiculous. And in true Nancy Drew fashion, she gets stuck inside the luggage compartment and it starts to taxi down the runway. Nancy knows that there's nothing that she can do and she's going to die in the unpressurized cabin of a 747. But in true Nancy Drew fashion, we can't have our heroine die immediately or at all actually. And the mechanical difficulties that happened earlier came back. The plane returns to the gate and Nancy is saved. Back to the flight trivia, British Airways Flight 38 was a scheduled international passenger flight from Beijing Capital International Airport in Beijing, China to London Heathrow Airport in London, United Kingdom. On January the 17th, 2008, the Boeing 747-200ER aircraft operating the flight crashed just short of the runway while landing at Heathrow. No deaths, but 12 people were injured. Well, I'm glad that only 12 people were injured and no one died. I think that being in a plane crash is one of my biggest fears. I love flying. I love traveling, but, and I'm like, I've never like worried about the plane crashing, but if it was to crash, it would be like the most scariest thing in the world. And I don't want to think about it. Anyway, that's near death number one in the book. So it happened quite late in the book. Usually we've got a near death experience at the start of the book, but this time Nancy managed to make it almost a whole day into her investigation without almost dying. Later that night, they go out for pizza and, of course, they make jokes about Bess getting fat because she's eating too much pizza. You've heard me ramble on about this before. Best, just enjoy your pizza. Like, whatever. The next day, Nancy heads back to the luggage handling department and she meets this Paul guy who is super, super flirty towards her. Um, And Nancy says, oh, who was working in luggage yesterday? And he said, everyone here now is here yesterday except for Sean. Sean's currently working in the luggage department because that's what stage he's up to in the management trainee program that's running at Victory Airlines. Because Sean's not there today and that he does work at the luggage department, he instantly becomes Nancy's number one suspect. He could have been the one that locked her in as well as being the one who threw the stone through the window in Mr. Talbot's office. Next, she goes up to Grant Sweeney's office to talk to him, but his office is locked, and Nancy, being Nancy, tries to pick the lock. Unfortunately, the door swings open and Grant towers over her with a massive wrench. He fortunately doesn't hit Nancy and apologizes saying that he's being extra cautious with all the smuggling going on and thought that Nancy was trying to break in. Nancy said, who said anything about smugglers? Her heart was pounding as she stood inside the doorframe. As far as she knew, that bit of information was still confidential. Nancy had been careful not to mention it when she had questioned the victory employees. Well, you did. You were talking about that vase. Which vase? I didn't mention any one vase in particular. Down by those luggage crates, Grant insisted. You're talking about some vase. I didn't mention smuggling, Nancy said softly. So this is interesting. How does Grant know about smuggling if Nancy didn't say anything? 
Grant suggests that she talks to Mr. Talbot because if there was a smuggling ring going on, he would know about it. She doesn't know if Grant is throwing her off or giving her a clue. Nancy goes to speak to Mr. Talbot and he's of course worried about the image of the airline. Nancy still doesn't know if she should consider Mr. Talbot a suspect or not. She asks Mr. Talbot if there's anyone she should speak to or anyone he knows who would have the power and flexibility to run a smuggling ring and he refers her to Blake Maxwell, the district manager. He is in charge of everyone in the management team and since the management team was Mr. Talbot's idea, like the management trainee team rather, uh, Nancy decides to treat him as a suspect. Nancy goes over to the ticketing officer and asks for a bunch of information about the airline. She asks for so much stuff. It probably would have been easier just to give Nancy the login details of the computer so she could search for each particular thing instead of having a printer spew out pages and pages and pages of info that she probably doesn't need. After work that night, she waits in the car park for Grant to leave and follows him. Unfortunately, Grant sees that Nancy's following him and, you know, kind of like leads her onto train tracks just before a train is about to cross the tracks. And, uh, of course, Nancy manages to make a quick escape and doesn't get hit by the train. Near-death experience number two. This situation with Grant really makes me think that he's involved. First the smuggling comments and now he has tried to hurt Nancy and he works in baggage handling so it would be easy for her. When Nancy gets home, Bess announces that she passed her flight attendant training and her first flight is to LA the next day. So yay, congratulations, Bess, you passed your flight attendant training. Now you can be a flight attendant. I think I mentioned earlier, it's like, oh, you have two days of training and then you can fly a plane. But no, I didn't mean to say that she's going to be a pilot. She's just being a flight attendant. So Jennifer tells her that Linda, Kalita, the really mean flight attendant, is going to be on the flight tomorrow and then Bess starts stressing out. But then she's made happy because Jennifer tells her that the pilot Mark is really, really cute and he's going to take her out to lunch tomorrow. Bess again is getting worried about going out for lunch. Lunch, great, just what I need. Pizza last night, hamburgers the night before, cookies now. I'm going to be a blimp before we get back to River Heights. I like that she, you know, made the blimp connection because, you know, blimp is an aircraft, they're an airline, or am I just reading too far into these things? Anyway, it wouldn't be a Nancy Drew book unless Bess got a crush, so I'm going to assume she's going to have a crush on this cute pilot, Mark. Miranda like reassures her that she's going to make a chef salad for dinner so Bess can have that and everyone else can eat cookies. And they're actually making macaroons. I thought they were quite complicated to make, but I guess they're not. Or Nancy and Bess are just, uh, you know, multi-talented and know how to make all types of cookies. Speaking of multi-talented, I forgot to mention that earlier in this book when Nancy was looking at the vase that Rod had gave Melinda, Miranda rather, that may have been smuggled. They mentioned that Nancy took an art appreciation course at the Museum of Art in Chicago. So we can add that skill to Nancy's repertoire of skills that she has. Gosh, I love Nancy Drew so much. She's such an amazing role model for young women. Just that Nancy can do everything. She 
has done ballet classes. She knows how to drive a car really well. She's done art appreciation. She knows how to pick locks. I mean, I'm sure like many, many, many other skills are going to be uncovered during the series. After dinner, Sean and Jennifer fight because of the investigation. Sean thinks that Jennifer should drop it because it's too dangerous and leave the work up to Nancy. Sean doesn't seem to care about the smuggling at all, and that continues to solidify Sean as a suspect in Nancy's mind. This is further solidified the next day when the following conversation occurs. Sean asks Nancy how the investigation and Nancy replies, I'm making some progress, I think, but victory seems to be a close-knit operation. If anyone knows anything, they're not talking. Give it up, Nancy, Sean says suddenly. It's not worth it. Look at what's happened since you got here. You practically ended up flying to Singapore, then chasing Grant Sweeney. You almost killed yourself. Nancy's blood ran cold. How'd you know about me chasing Sweeney? Sean stopped short, his jaw tightening. Oh, so now you're looking at me, huh? Am I a suspect? Well, for your information, Bess told me when I saw her this morning before her flight. You're a nuisance. I heard Grant Sweeney complaining about you too. So go away, Nancy. Do a big favor and take the first flight to River Heights. Okay, why are you acting like that, Sean? That's not helping your case whatsoever. So yes, Nancy thinks you're a suspect. Bess has her first flight and says it was horrible because Linda was mean to her. Nancy considers that Linda may be part of the ring because she's been so short-tempered and stressed, meaning she's probably under some heavy pressure. They discuss the fight between Sean and Jennifer Moore and she claims... Sean Richmond is only interested in advancing up the corporate ladder and he doesn't care how he does it. Again, Nancy takes this as further evidence. It's like, okay, Sean wants to climb the ladder at Victory Airlines, so does that mean doing anything, including smuggling to get ahead? Bess tells Nancy that she met Mark and of course she's in love just like we predicted. Nancy wants to meet and talk with Blake Maxwell. She sees Blake with Preston and they all go out for lunch together and they make note that Nancy orders a soup and salad because she's worried that she can't afford anything because it's an expensive restaurant. Blake isn't really buying Nancy's story and he's rude and he treats her like a kid. However, he eventually listens to it and makes the suggestion to beef up security. He says Dawkins, the customs guys, will go through each bag as it comes through his customs and Grant will be in charge of checking the planes later on. Nancy asks him for a list of people who could be capable of a smuggling ring and he says, I'll see what I can do, Miss Jew. But let me make one thing clear. No matter what's going on around here, I don't want you here. If Preston wants you, fine, stay on. But if it were up to me, the whole affair would be handled internally and then the police would be called in. I don't have a lot of faith in an amateur detective. Which reminds me, someone was supposedly killed and the police aren't involved. But I guess the police just considered Rod's death as an accident, not that it was deliberately set up. So, okay. Never mind, it makes sense that the police aren't involved. Later on, Nancy runs into Linda and then decides to follow her, and she overhears a conversation between Linda and Grant saying that they are on to us. She unfortunately gets interrupted by Sean, and he apologizes for being rude and unhelpful because he said Mr. Tolbert had said that Victory's reputation would be ruined if anything happened to Jennifer and Nancy. Mr. Tolbert had turned Sean against Nancy, so now Nancy thinks that Mr. Tolbert is definitely in on the smuggling ring. 
That's if there even is a smuggling ring. There's been no proof yet. We don't know for sure. Nancy's still trying to like work out if there actually is one. Remember all those papers that Nancy printed out earlier? Well, Nancy and Sean go through them all looking for 747 planes thanks to the comments that Rod had been making about 747s and they don't find anything. However, something clicks and they figure, hey, it might not be the plane. It could be a flight number. It could be a time. They then discover that a flight grant unloaded that morning came in at 7.47 from Malaysia. They definitely conclude that the number 7.47 is used in the smuggling ring. So Nancy now believes that Mr. Talbot, Grant and Linda are part of the smuggling ring due to Mr. Talbot turning Sean against Nancy and overhearing Grant and Linda's conversation. Nancy decides to catch a flight to spy on Linda, but she needs to go undercover so Linda doesn't recognize her. And this is where Bess comes in and it's makeover time. Bess is going to be in her element. Nancy ends up with black spray painted hair with gold flecks throughout. She's wearing a massive black lace bow um, and she wore stockings with a black sweater. I don't believe she's wearing pants but this outfit is so so 80s and I probably would have worn this exact outfit in the 80s if I was like a teenager back then. The look is finished off with long gold earrings and a choker and if that's not the most 80 things ever I don't know what it is. Nancy acts all cute and she strikes a pose and says coffee tea or which you know is supposed to end with me as that little saying that flight attendants used to say back in the day. But Jennifer interrupts with murder. So it turns out the police had investigated the fatal accident that had taken Rod's life and had linked it to faulty brakes. They conclude that someone must have tampered with the brakes to keep Rod quiet. Nancy gets on the flight to spy on Linda because she needs to go undercover. She booked the flight under the name Mrs. N. Nickerson and I think that's adorable. She's pretending to be married to Ned. The flight was uneventful. Nancy didn't get caught and Linda was just surprised by a businessman who she wasn't expecting to see on the flight. Back in Seattle, Nancy eavesdrops on a conversation between Grant and Lisa at the airport cafe called the Vapor Trail Cafe. I love how airports have these little shops that are play on words with words associated with airports. So my local airport has a shop that sells luggage called Carry On um, and a bar called Fly Bar. There's also a snack bar called Velocity. So yeah, I just love those little names. They're so cute. I'm, I'm clearly amused by the smallest things. So Nancy tries to listen in on the conversation. Linda spoke so slow, Nancy could hardly catch anything she said. Then Linda said something about 747. Nancy sat bolt upright in her chair. Grant Sweeney actually laughed. Yeah, well, he thinks of everything. Nancy strained to hear Linda's soft voice. She could only make out some of the words, I want out. I saw door on the plane. Don't think, know what that means. I go on much longer. You should have thought of that earlier, Grant said without sympathy. You know what the man upstairs does to deserters. Linda's voice was completely indistinguishable after that. Nancy thought she might not have even been crying, but Grant's voice came out cold and chilling. Be 
careful or the boss will take care of you too. You'll end up at the bottom of the cliff just like Rod. Nancy sat transfixed, her hands gripping the edge of the table in front of her, proof that Rod had been murdered. Gran and Linda walked off and Nancy didn't want to be seen eavesdropping. Nancy's being caught, but thankfully Paul, that flirty baggage handler appears and Nancy kisses him that way if Grant or Linda do notice her there then they just think that she's there kissing her boyfriend but oh my goodness Nancy you just can't kiss random men and what would Ned think I know you were trying to save yourself but wrong move girl wrong move Plus, what's Paul going to think? He's going to think that he's in with a chance. Nancy goes over the conversation in her head again. She figures that the man upstairs Grant mentioned was Mr. Talbot, so now she's convinced that Mr. Talbot is definitely involved. Nancy finds out that Bess and Jennifer have been put on another flight later that evening to cover for sick attendance. She's worried that Mr. Talbot put them on it because she had a bad feeling about it, but was relieved when she found out that it was only Blake Maxwell, and of course he would put her on the flight because he's head of operations. She sees Grant unloading a 747 and Nancy again sneaks on the plane. Of course she does. And then she sees a box labeled 747. And what do you know? Inside are some jade figurines and a Chinese vase that's almost identical to the one that Rod gave Miranda. So woohoo, Nancy solved the case. There is a smuggling ring and Rod did get killed so I guess you could say that that's the end and because she's pretty much convinced that it's Mr. Talbot Nancy needs to go and make sure they get caught now so congratulations Nancy you solve the case she grabs the box rushes inside and sees Sean together they make a plan Sean will hang out and chat with Blake outside of Mr. Talbot's office while Nancy confronts him. If there's any ruckus, they'll both storm in. Unfortunately, Mr. Talbot isn't there and Nancy and Sean explain the situation to Blake Maxwell. They tell him Mr. Talbot is head of the smuggling ring. Maxwell looks dazed. After several seconds of silence, he said in an entirely different tone of voice, I may have been way too hasty in my judgment of you, Miss Drew. He pulls out a key to unlock Mr. Talbot's office, but he wasn't there. Blake says that he knew that Mr. Talbot is still there because he was talking to Linda and heard the name Bess Marvin. This makes Nancy panic and she rushes to the ticket counter to see if Linda's on the flight that Bess and Jennifer were scheduled on that night. It turns out that they were. Nancy tells Sean to get Maxwell, tell him that we've got trouble and I'm afraid that Linda might try and hurt Jennifer and Bess. So Sean says, okay, and turns away but wait what's Maxwell's office number in case I need to get in contact with you Nancy asks as quickly I don't know it's on the seventh floor I think that's right a ticketing agent spoke up consulting her screen he just changed offices last year now he's in room 747 what the man upstairs room 747 Ah, it turns out Maxwell, Blake Maxwell, is in charge of the smuggling ring and he knows that Nancy knows. Immediately, she tells Sean to call the police. Good. I'm glad that the police are finally getting involved. And Nancy manages to get onto the plane by saying that Mr. Tolbert expects her to be on the flight. So that's some good social engineering by Nancy Drew. I know that would like never work in real life. I love in TV and movies how they just let anyone onto planes. Like in The Wedding Singer, Adam Sandler gets on the plane to like sing a song to whoever it was that 
he had a crush on. I can't remember. It's been like 20 years since I saw the movie. On the plane, Nancy confronts Linda. I know about your connection to Grant Sweeney and Blake Maxwell. I know the shipments of stolen merchandise are being brought in on flights somehow designated with 747 codes. And I know Rod Fullerton was murdered and that you think you're next in line. Obviously, this caught Linda off guard and she explains how the whole situation works. Linda sighed. I wanted a promotion and Blake Maxwell was there pushing all the right buttons. He told me he could guaranteed I'll get everything I wanted if I just did a few simple things. Of course, when people are desperate for something and someone promises you something just by doing a couple of tasks, most of the time you're going to do it no matter what the consequences. Nancy asks, what kind of things? smuggling. In the beginning, he needed someone who was trusted and well-known with the customs agents to bring in stuff. All the guys knew me and liked me, and they hardly ever searched my bags. But then the organization grew, and Blake came up with the idea of the 747 code. He thought it was really clever. And then when they got Dawkins involved, Linda shuddered. He's almost as bad as Blake. Dawkins? Nancy searched her memory, trying to place the name. Dawkins was the man on the flight to Los Angeles today, Nancy said. Remember, the flight was uneventful, but Linda freaked out about a businessman on the flight? Linda's cheeks whitened. He was a warning, a way to let me know that Blake knew I wanted out. And when Rod Fullerton wanted out, he was killed, Nancy put in softly. Linda shuddered. What kind of thing does Blake smuggle in? You name it, jewels, art objects, any kind of contrabands. This Dawkins, Nancy said, where does he fit in? Once again, Linda looked over her shoulder. Dawkins is Blake's right-hand man. He tampered with Fullerton brakes, then he drove him off the road. He's also the customs agent at Puget Sounds Airport. A custom agent, of course, Nancy said. That's how the stuff gets through undetective. Well, obviously, I don't know why he didn't look at a customs agent first, Nancy, but it's all right. No one's 100% perfect and we all make mistakes. Without Dawkins, the whole operation is in jeopardy, Lisa said. He's the key. And Sweeney? Sweeney straddles the fence. He had to do a lot of Blake's dirty work and I know he'll like to get out too, but he's like me. He's in too deep. Linda Grimace, so what now? What are you going to do? Are you going to turn me in when we land? I guess Nancy has no choice but two. Like, Sean's already on the ground calling the police and Linda has given a full confession. So they'll get arrested once they return to Seattle. So now it should be the end of the book. There should be a scene where Nancy hangs out with her friends and they laugh and have fun, but no. Nothing ever ends simply in the world of Nancy Drew. And this book is no different. An explosion is heard and the plane starts dipping and shuddering and a hole appears in the floor of the plane. I guess Nancy is going to be involved in a plane crash, just like the cover said. Hopefully she survives. It turns out a bomb went off in the luggage compartment. I guess Blake wanted to take Linda out because she was cracking underneath the pressure. People are freaking out and poor Bess it's one of her first flights and she already has to implement the emergency procedures. Nancy, of course, you know, she's not a flight attendant, but she, I guess she knows how to do flight emergency things because she helps best. So let's add that to Nancy Drew's never-ending skill tree. Thankfully, Mark is a very skilled pilot and he manages to make an emergency landing back at Puget Sounds Airport just past the runway into a field. Nancy and Bess manage to get everybody off the plane just before it explodes. So yay, I'm glad they didn't die. That would be terrible. I really like these books and I wanted Nancy to stick around. 
Back at the airport, all the loose ends are tied up when Nancy speaks with one of the detectives. It turns out that Linda was the one that threw the rock with the warning note. Blake planted the bomb in the plane in checked luggage. And Maxwell knew that Nancy was coming because they had rigged Mr. Talbot's office with listening bugs. Everyone is arrested and Paul appears and asks Nancy for a date because he thinks Nancy is keen after she kissed him. She feels bad and invites him out to celebrate with her and everybody else. Um, The next day, they joke about driving home to River Heights because they don't want to get on a plane, but Nancy says, no, unfortunately, I'm flying back because there's someone's arms that I want to be in and I can't wait a minute longer, obviously referring to Ned. And there we have it. That's the end of the book. And yeah, I really, really, really love this one. I'm going to give it four stars. It was just enough adventure, although the mystery was a little bit, you know, not exciting because first Nancy had to find out actually if there was a crime and if there was an actual murder and it wasn't just an accident. Uh, I like the range of characters. I like the setting. I like the cover. I just think it's a really good book. I was actually worried that um, Nancy would have to like, you know, take control of the plane. And I'm just glad that that didn't happen because I'm sure I know that Nancy has her flight license or she's taken flight lessons in one of the original books, which I assume their skills would carry on. And I do have a vague memory that in one of the books later in the series, Nancy flies a light plane, but like a commercial jet. Nah, I was just not going to buy that if that happened. As for hookups, I don't know if Bess hooked up with Mark, but Nancy kissed Paul, which makes our running total Nancy 4, Bess 3, George 2, Ned 3. So Nancy is leading the hookup tally, which I was actually quite surprised. I was expecting Bess to have kissed a lot more guys. I seem to remember Bess kissing heaps of people in these books. Maybe I'm forgetting wrong. Maybe I don't need to keep track of all these, but I still think it's crazy that in 12 books, Nancy has kissed four people. Our near-death experiences were two. There was trapped in the luggage compartment and then the bomb in the plane. Uh, I guess you could also count the almost being hit by a train thing as well. So let's make that three and that brings our running total to 34. Now earlier on in the podcast I mentioned that I don't believe that River Heights is in Juliet, or however you pronounce it. Um, We didn't really get many clues in this book because Nancy and Bess were in Seattle. But doing some Google Maps searching, I found a town called Wheeling. It's about an hour by train outside of Chicago. It seems to be very upper class. There's a country club. There's river that runs through the main part of town. There's hills. There's an airport. So I think everyone should jump on River Heights, I mean, jump on Google Maps, and check out Wheeling and the surrounding areas. And tell me what you think. Do you think that this could be River Heights? I truly think that it could be. Um, I would love to hear your opinions. Let me know on Instagram at nancydrewpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at hello at nancydrewpodcast.com or you can follow me on Instagram at nancydrewpodcast. 
I'm looking forward to our next book, number 14, This Side of Evil, where Nancy heads overseas for the first time. Well, I wouldn't actually call it overseas. She, you know, travels north a bit to Canada. But yeah, it's the first time she's being in a different country. So I can't wait to explore that with you. Again, thank you for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye, detective.